beautiful morning. I'm just so glad we can all gather here today. Um, just we get, we get to behold you this morning. And I'm just so thankful for what Clayton is about to speak um, about. And I pray that it would just touch every single person in this room. I pray that it just speaks to them personally. Um, I know there's just so much that we're learning in this Lenten season. I pray that we continue to learn so much because um, to be able to grasp um, just who you are is impossible, and uh, we just want to continue to sit and bask in your presence, and so we thank you for this morning. We thank you for everything that Clayton is about to share with us, and um, continue to bless every single person in this room, and then we pray. Amen. Thanks, Annika. Am I on? Good? All right. Awesome. I'm putting this down. You have a seat. I'll make you stand up in a minute, because why not? right? I get to do that up here. Uh, just so you know, I, one of my most favorite things to do is every time I get to teach is having some of our young leaders help me. So last Wednesday, I surprised this group of women here at their core group house. I think one person knew, and we studied the text together, and they shared a lot of stuff with me. I'm going to relay a lot of that to you, and then our application, what we're going to do out of here, came from them. So we're going to do that together, okay? So uh, just excited for the day. I'm going to read the passage, um, and then we're going to get into it. We're starting Luke 9, 51, and we're going to jump to Luke 19, 28 to 44. Are we doing okay today? That was a great worship set, wasn't it? Come on. All right. Luke 9, 51. Uh, and my Bible, just so you know, is a little bit different probably than the slides. It's an older NIV, so I apologize in advance. As the time approached for him, that's Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. We're going to jump to Luke 19, 28 to 44, and read that. Turn my pages here. All right. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Just tell them the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The day will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and circle you and hem you in on every side. They'll dash you to the ground and you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. People of God, this is the word of God. All right. So just so you know, I, uh, you can leave that last slide up, actually, or the, you can do the first slide. I cannot get past the last sentence of our text. You did not recognize 
the time of God's coming to you. And that's where everything today is built on that. I've read it, and I've read it, and I've read it, and I just keep coming back there, keep coming back there, and asking myself a lot of questions. I'm going to ask that question to you a lot today. Do you recognize the time of God's coming to you? So these words of Jesus remind me of some other words of Jesus. He kind of has a common thread in a lot of his stories. So one of my favorite things to read each day is the Sermon on the Mount. I read uh, chapter 6 and 7, so it's just kind of like, it's like life advice. It's how to live in the kingdom. So I try to read every day. I don't every day, but I try. At the end of this, if he explains uh, not to judge, how to pray, all kinds of things, he tells a story. A story about two people. I think we find two people in our text today, two groups of people. He said, for those who hear my words, hear what I'm saying and put them into practice. For those who recognize me, they're like somebody who has their feet on solid ground. On a solid rock. Because when the storms of life come, and they come for everyone, when the storms come, when the rain comes, and the wind comes, they can stand. The rain still hits them. Life is still super hard, but they can stand. Listen, there's another person in the story, a different group of people. And these people said, Jesus, you're a great teacher. You're really wise. You're really kind. I like you, but I'm going to do it my way. So I'm going to go build my house over here. And I think the person probably doesn't even know they're building their house on some sand. But they are. They probably even know it. But when the storms of life come, their house falls with a crash. They are destroyed. Jesus says here, you did not recognize the time of my coming. And your own destruction is on the horizon. I just can't get past that. Am I, do I recognize Jesus and his kingdom? I've been asking myself a lot. And I don't want to miss him this week for a lot of different reasons, but I'll unpack later. But I had this thought as I was praying the other day, I think we see Jesus, we hear Jesus, like I think we get it, but seeing and recognizing to me is a little different. So I've got two little ladies, a two-year-old and a four-year-old. And when I come home from work, my daughters don't just see me. They see me, but they recognize me. I'm daddy. And they run into my arms and they hold me, and they talk to me, and they want to play with me. Let's just, let's go. They recognize me. I hope today that we recognize Jesus, that he sweeps us up in his arms and just embraces us, and it changes us, and we do something about it. That's the plan for today, all right? But what I have found, like I've been saying, is I don't know I do if I do recognize him. So bear with me for a second. I was listening to a guy speak the other day. He was talking about, um, he was at a marriage conference. I know not everyone in the room is married, so give me a second. The person from the stage at the conference said, why did you get married? Why did you marry your spouse? So if you're not married, why is your best friend your best friend? Why is that person in your life that you lean on, rely on, why, why are you in a relationship with them? Why did you marry them? The person speaking says, because you want to be loved. If you're honest, you want to be loved. I think that's a good thing. We're made for relationship. But the person wanted to say, but is that the only reason God wants you to be married? Is that why he wants you to be in that relationship? He said, no, I think he wants to teach you how to love. So what I found for me this week in Easter, everything is about me. It's about my salvation. That's a good thing. It's about my eternal home. It's a good thing. It's about my life and people that I care about. But I'm wondering if that's the only thing it's about. Another thing I read most mornings is Psalm 25. I don't know why exactly, but in 2016, on January 13, in 2016, I said I should memorize Psalm 25. I have not memorized it, but I'm reading it. <laughs> so I'm reading it, and one verse sticks out to me in light of today. 
David's writing, he, he says this. He says, for the sake of your name, O Lord, forgive my sins, though they're great. For the sake of your name, God, because for you, forgive me. That's not how I view forgiveness of sins very often. No, I want my sins to be forgiven for me. I want to go to heaven. But David's saying, no, for your sake, God. These are haunting words to me. They've just been wrecking me all week. I've been, I'm usually pretty organized in what I want to do. And this week, I've just been all over the place. I've been emotional. I don't know what's going on in my life this week. This is just haunting me. The end of that sermon, that's a Sermon on the Mount, most famous sermon. He tells this horrible story. You get it, you live. You don't get it, you die, and he's done. Like, that's the end of the sermon. I actually saw a pastor once just walk off the stage at the end. It's haunting. It's not a, woo, end of a sermon, which we're going to do today. <laughs> but I've been asking myself, do I recognize Jesus? Do I understand who Jesus is and what his kingdom is actually like? I don't know that I do. Do I follow Jesus primarily for me? That's what I get out of it. If I'm honest, I would say a lot of the time, yeah, probably. It's about me. But Jesus, right after this passage, essentially, someone says, what do I got to do like, to inherit eternal life? Like, what do I got to do to follow you? He says, love God and love your neighbor as yourself. It's not my faith very often. So it's just been good. So what I want to do today is work our way through the text, and we're actually going to end up outside the text. All right? And actually, it's really cool what they're creating today is I think it's going to play along right with our words today. So um, let's go back into it. Luke 9.51. And if you would, I've heard this said before. It's kind of like, it's called the lullaby effect. Like if you've been to church, you've heard Palm Sunday sermon. Like you've heard the triumphal entry. You've heard Jesus, you know, he comes in. Let's just, let's wonder a bit. Let's ask some questions. The other night we were meeting, we just asked tons of questions. What about this? Like, why that? That's kind of weird. That's kind of funny he would say that. Do some of that today. Don't just get into the story, all right? All right, so as the time approached for him, Jesus, to take him to heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. So different people say it differently. Uh, you could say Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. Uh, the message version, which Lisa Vandaloon brought to my attention, says this way. When it came close to his time for his ascension, Jesus gathered up his courage and steeled himself for the journey to Jerusalem. So, any Rocky Balboa fans in here? I mean, come on. Rocky IV is my favorite. All right, we got some. Okay, so in my mind, this is how I see Jesus. This is how I see his face in my mind's eye. Uh, Apollo Creed gets killed by Ivan Drago. And Rocky goes home and talks to Adrian. He's like, I got to go fight Ivan Drago. I have to go do this thing. And she says, don't do it. You'll lose. You'll die. She says, I know. Maybe. I don't know. But I got to go do it. So he gets in his car, puts on No Easy Way Out. Great song for working out to. And he's looking in the rearview mirror. And you can see his eyes. He's determined. That's Jesus. He set his face, gathered up his courage, and willed himself to go. He knows his time is running out. He's He's got some intention. He's doing things intentionally. But that's in Luke 9, and we're going to read the next in Luke 19. What happens in those 10 chapters? I thought if he would set his face and be determined to go somewhere, you go there, right? But he doesn't really just go there. He does some other things. We'll talk about that later. So as we move into Luke 19, um, I wanted to mention one aside. Uh, I just sense tension in this story. And oftentimes with Jesus, there's just some tension. 
It's like he just, there's always, I don't know, there's just different opposing forces. And so I found this definition for tension that I like for today. I want you to keep it in your mind's eye as you read. It's this. Tension is a balance maintained in artistic work between opposing forces. So the grand story of redemption is this beautiful story, this beautiful artistic work that our God is doing. But there's always some tension, all right? So see if you can sense the tension today. So verse 28 after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. So this is it, 951. He's actually going to go there. He actually went there a couple times in this chapter. But this, anyways, um, as he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead of him, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you're going to find a colt tied there, which no one's ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. So Quickly, an unridden animal was what you'd use for a dedication to God. So it's a specific, special animal, okay? If anyone asks you why are you untying it, just say, man, I love it. The Lord needs it. I mean, come on. So apparently, Roman soldiers could do this. A person in authority could walk up to your house or walk up to your stuff and say, I need that. And you just, uh, okay, I guess I'll give it to you. I mean, I have a 1999 Plymouth Villager. No one's going to ask me for mine. But they might ask for your car. But uh, the Lord needs it. Uh, okay, I mean, yeah, that's what I got to do. I say it's funny how these things just kind of, you just kind of glance over them. Like, that's crazy to me. Well, I lost my spot. Well, let's keep going. All right, ne next slide. Um, Those who were sent ahead went and found it as he had told them. As they're untying the colt, its owners naturally asked him, why are you untying the colt? And they just said, the Lord needs it. So Jesus, Jesus has authority. You think there's authority, but Jesus has authority. Let's keep going. Next slide. They brought to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the ground. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, a whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices. So to spread your cloaks on the ground, which said, this person is a king. This person is in charge. So I found a different story that I thought ties to this story. In 2 Kings, this happens again. The Bible's always interplaying with itself. So there's a bunch of kings in power, kind of like the Jesus day. A lot of people in power. But God says, they're not, they're powerful people, but they're not the king. This person's the king. So put the cloaks down and make them king. So I'm trying to imagine Jesus. There's, there's a Caesar, there's, there's, there's an emperor, there's a sitting king named Herod, there's religious leaders, they're all powerful people. And God said, Yeah, but this is the king. All right? So here we go. The whole crowd decided to be enjoyed to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. That's important, for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. That's Psalm 118. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So they are singing. They are praising. These are people who are outside the city. They're not from Jerusalem. I want to make that known. They're not, they're not from Jerusalem. They're different. I told you at the beginning, there's two groups of people here. These, where has Jesus been ministering? Outside the city. Whenever he goes to Jerusalem, they don't really want him there. They kind of kick him out. So these people who are coming with him have been watching his kingdom come. Right? And they're singing, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in, in, in heaven and glory in the highest. And so the Pharisees say, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Because you're not God. You're not God, Jesus. Tell them. Tell them. And I love this part. If they, I tell you, uh, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Man, I'm just a little jumbled right now. But I was thinking of the other day, Annika, we were talking, and she said, hold on a minute. If they don't worship, 
the stones will cry out. She said, how big is God? How amazing is God? How huge is God? If we don't sing, inanimate objects will. Holy cow. It struck me as we worship. It'd be like our chairs singing here today instead of us, right? She said, but he, that, that God, that God came to die for us. What a way to start Easter week, right? That is incredible. Next, uh, keep going. Uh, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. I have talked to a lot of people about this verse this week, couple, the last couple of weeks, and everyone's been struck by this. If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. They've been struck by Jesus' compassion. So we're talking about people who don't get it, people who don't recognize him. And he weeps for them. How often do we do that? How often do I fix people or tell people they're wrong or judge people? You don't get it. Let me tell you how it works. Jesus did that really nice, but Jesus' heart broke for people who don't get it. They said, who wouldn't, this is in our group the other night, who wouldn't want to be in that kingdom? Who would say no to that? If your heart actually broke for someone, you met them with compassion and empathy versus, I just got to fix you. You got to do better. Don't you know how to do it? If you only knew on this day, on this day, on this day, what would bring you peace? I've had just an impression, a thought. I think there's probably some people in this room today who, who need some peace. I don't know what for. I was listening to a song the other day called Believe For It by a lady named Cece Winans. And I found myself, it's funny how these pastors do this to you, I found myself just emotional. Believing some, for something that I don't even know what it was. No idea. But I was having a conversation with the Holy Spirit saying, I believe for whatever that is. I can't wait to get to heaven to find out what it is. But I think there's someone, some people here today who need peace. I don't know if if you're fearful or you're anxious. I don't know if there's someone who's in your life who's sick. I, I don't know. I think someone here today needs peace. You know, there's this peace that transcends understanding. There's this peace that doesn't matter. The storms of life still come. You still get the crap kicked out of you. And somehow, you can be peaceful people. I found in my life, when I am the most sad, the most sad, I have the most peace. It's the weirdest thing. So whoever that is today, if this is resonating with somebody, there's a team of people who pray between services. It's over in the chapel. They want to pray over you. You can have peace on this day. If it's, if it's resonating inside your heart, please do it, all right? But now it's hidden from your eyes. 
The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and circle you and hem you in on every side. They'll dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. So the beginning, there's two groups of people in this story. Jesus entering the city. It's a whole group who's been watching him live, watching him heal, seeing who's important to him. Surprisingly, it's everybody. Who's he eating with? He's healing people. He's curing people. He's doing, they've been watching all this stuff happen. Perhaps they were even there when he came out of, he was baptized, he gets tempted, and he shows up at church and he reads a scroll. Maybe they're there for this when he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. They have seen all that stuff and they go crazy. So crazy, people inside the city are like, what in the world is going on outside the city? These are huge cement walls. The sound is going over the top. They're so excited. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, the blind see, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed inside and outside. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and good news is proclaimed salvation has come. And they're like, woo! Let's go! I get the humble king. He's power, but he is, oh, man, he is so stinking kind and compassionate and empathetic. He gets me. He meets me where I am, but he is power. This is the king. So I've always, I don't know, I've always assumed that the, per, the people who were there for that day were the people who also then were there on Friday when they said, kill him. But now I'm starting to wonder if that's actually the case. Because these people don't, they're not from Jerusalem. They've been watching him live people inside the city, when all this noise is happening, they're like, who is this guy coming into the city? The whole city is a buzz. What's happening? They don't know who he is. They don't recognize him. People outside the city recognize him. People inside do not. They say, teacher, rebuke your disciples. The stones will sing. I can't do that. They're true. No, Jesus' mission statement. Three different times. Twice in Luke, once in Mark. Essentially says... Repent, because the kingdom of God is here. Here is the end, Luke 19. He's like, the kingdom of God is here. Some of you get it. Some of you don't. I will still die for you. But I said earlier, what's Jesus been doing between Luke 9 and Luke 19? He set his face. He got that Rocky Balboa look in his eye. And then some time has passed, and now he's arriving. What was he up to exactly? If you read around, you kind of see he's been replicating himself. In Luke 8, he's shown his disciples. That's Peter, James, and John. There's also like a, a Mary, a Martha, a Joanna, and a Susanna. He's showing his disciples, this is the kingdom. This is how you live. And then in Luke 9... Because there are 12 tribes of Israel, he sends the 12 out and says, go, we're supposed to redeem Israel. Go show them the kingdom. I'm not going to go. I'm going to wait for you. I showed you. It's your turn. Go. They come back. Luke 10, he chooses 70 people. He says, it's your turn to go. Why 70? Because back in Genesis 11, there's this table of nations. 
There's this wild story about a Tower of Babel, and the nations get divided into 70 nations. So Jesus chooses 70 because this kingdom is for the nations. It's for everybody. He's saying, get in the game. I need you to get in the game. I'm about to leave. I'm, I'm out of here. You got to do this. I'm sending somebody to help you, but you've got to do this. I'm just so drawn to that. Wow. In Luke 9, it says, he gave them authority and power to drive out demons, cure diseases, preach the good news, the kingdom of God, and heal the sick. Because he wants everyone to recognize the kingdom is here. So can we disagree with that today? I just want to agree. He said, get in the game. The kingdom's here. You have to show the kingdom. I want to agree with that. Would you agree with me? If you will, say amen. amen. All right, here we go. We're moving to the end, everybody. I'm just going to read this. So I wonder if this is for us. And you can get blessed with this in a couple minutes, all right? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, says Jesus. I think it's supposed to be upon us as well. That we might be anointed to preach the good news to the poor. He wants to send us to bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim uh, freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To comfort all who mourn to put on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, to pour over the oil of gladness instead of mourning. He wants us to be oaks of righteousness. He wants us to be priests, ministers. He wants us to do that. So this week, I've been, uh, Lent, I don't like, I love Lent and I don't like Lent. Lent's super hard for me. I've desperately wanted to recognize Jesus. So you see, most of you probably know, but my little brother passed away three years ago last Saturday. So Lent's heavy for me. So this sermon's been heavy. I don't want to miss Jesus. And the cool thing about Jesus is he knows that. So in the last week, Three different times, our king sent people to my family to minister to us. So this is the kingdom, and we are with you. I was reading a story about a church in a far-off country, and the Holy Spirit is just running like wildfire. And the person writing the article said, but they, they don't, they don't quite have their theology right. they got to work on that. And I love theology. I love to learn. I don't know a lot, but I love to learn. But I felt, I felt sad. I felt grieved. Because the whole, people are willing to die for Jesus in this country. And we're like, oh, man, they don't know enough of the right stuff. I think a lot of us think we don't know enough of the right stuff. And we don't think we could do it. I want us to do it. So just three stories from my last week. I won't go into too many details, but the first one, we're having a prayer time. Someone's praying, 
And somebody had a, an image in their mind. And they decided to pray what they saw. They would have no idea how much it meant. It was a simple thing. But it just wrecked us. We knew Jesus was with us because they were willing to say the thing they saw. A couple of days ago, I'm at my house. It's lunchtime. And someone just knocks on my door. I don't know them very well. They had a similar situation. They lost a brother. And they stopped just to let me know they got it. And they've been praying for me. They stopped to share. We can do this together. That's the kingdom of God. I was walking uptown yesterday, no, two years ago, getting you donuts, actually. And someone stopped me. No idea who they are. And I have never had such a compassionate moment with a person. I have no idea who they are. And he said, bless you. He blessed me. But it was his eyes. I, I think I'm forever connected to these people because they shared the kingdom with me. Easter week, people are more willing to hear about Jesus. Would you share this week? Would you see people? Would you go and meet them? I talked to them at the end of our time together. I said, what do we do? What do I do with all this? They had great ideas. They said we have to be humble. So they said, we're so proud. We think we got it together. We think we got, we, we can handle it. They said, first of all, we, we have to confess our pride and be humble. That was beautiful. They said we have to show this in our life to bear the fruit of the Spirit, they said. Ah, to listen to sermons. That was really good. Be there with people. Be with people. Don't just see them. Recognize them. Meet them where they are. Ask them questions. How are you actually doing today? If you notice that there's a catch, just wait. Pause. Be patient. Be with people. And then I love the last thing. I said, we got to bless people. And I love to bless people. Something significant about blessing someone in Jesus' name. A blessing is new life. When you bless someone, you give them the gift of new life. And I firmly believe with all my heart, when you bless someone, especially in Jesus' name, if you say, hey, I bless you in Jesus' name, if it's heartfelt, I think the Lord actually looks at them. I think he actually shines on them. He pays special attention to them in that moment. And someone told me this, a blessing is kingdom down. When you bless somebody, you're taking the kingdom and you're thrown into their life. The best way to bless somebody is to ask them how they're doing. How are you? What's going on in your life? You anxious about anything? You worried about anything? Can't, what's happening in your life? What a way to, work, to live today. Instead of telling people how to live their life, ask them how their life is going. Are you anxious today? Are you worried today? What is it? And then bless it. Put Jesus' name into their life. I, I, man, I got stories coming out of my ears of people who've been willing to bless someone in Jesus' name, and Jesus just does things. You don't have to have great theology to just bless somebody genuinely in Jesus' name. Can we do that this week? So we're going to do. I'm, I'm, 
I want to recognize Jesus, and I want us to be activated today. I want us to go today, right? So I talked to these young ladies on Wednesday and said, would you help me do church? They said yes. It took them two minutes. They willingly said, yeah, I'll get in the game. I'll, yes, I will go. I will do it. I'm gonna say, that's pretty gutsy. I'm going to tell you. I would not want to do that, I don't think. So they're going to line the front here at the end, here in just a moment, and they have a blessing for you. Would you steal your will? Would you, would you get up? Would you have some courage? Would you come to the front, distance a little bit, and get blessed, and then go and be blessed? We can't bless until we receive the blessing. So we get blessed, and then we can go. That's what Jesus wants us to do. That's what he was doing when he set his face, and he was going to die. He was replicating himself over and over and over. and said, I'm looking for partners. Come get in the game. Sound good? All right. Ladies? Have the band come up here in a second, wherever the band is. I should have called them up. That's my bad. And I'm going to pray, and then they'll all come up. Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this moment. The idea of you just pouring yourself into this room has just been on my mind. So I ask that as, as our young leaders lead us and bless us, that you would just pour into this room through their hands and through their words. Would you fill this space with your spirit, with your presence? Would you change us? Would you move us? Would you challenge us? Would you convict us? Would you do all kinds of things? I love thinking about uh, I don't know, you're calling us to come swim in the ocean. Just come be free in the water with you. Let you move the current and move us where you want us. But I pray that there's a real sense of freedom in this room to move into whatever it is you're asking. Would you empower? Would you equip? Would you, would you say, come Holy Spirit?